Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out. Hi everyone, I'm Aaron Noonan. Welcome to the V8 Sleuth podcast presented by AC Delco, a world leader in automotive aftermarket products for over 100 years. Now when you're talking legends of Bathurst and Australian motor racing, they don't come much bigger than our guest on this episode, even though, yes, he's from across the ditch originally. Seven Bathurst 1000 wins, four Australian touring car championships, and a plethora of stuff in every other category you can think of. He's been an absolute gun in pretty much anything he's put his backside in. That's right, Jim Richards joins the V8 Sleuth podcast. Now, a few highlights from our chat ahead. He tells me how he first met Peter Brock by co-driving a Falcon, and it wasn't on a racetrack. His story inside the Holden Dealer team's dominant Bathurst win in 1979, and how things were very different for co-drivers back then. He tells us which Bathurst drive he rates as his best, and it's not any of the ones in which he won. And make sure you listen to our Couch Racer question segment too. One of our listeners asked to ask Jim about, of all things, representing Australia at the World Cup of Motorsport in Mexico. It's actually an hilarious story, and I don't think Jim's ever told it before, so make sure you stay tuned in for that one. Here we go, buckle up, time to start. Jim Richards on the V8 Sleuth podcast, presented by AC Delco. Jim, thank you for having us. We are at the home of, would we say, Jim Richards Racing? I suppose, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're surrounded by cars and trophies and prints on the wall and all sorts of cool stuff. Um, This year's the 50th anniversary of Holden Factory Motorsport, Holden dealer team starting. What's the first Holden that you would have driven as a young bloke back in New Zealand? My dad's ute. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, an FC grey Holden ute. And was this what, on the, on the farm, bashing no, around no, just, or on the know, road? He, or? he just had it and so that he could carry the two go-karts that we had. I, he built me a, a, a cart and he built one for himself and, we had, and he built a rack. So we put two carts in. Mum, Dad and I would head off to the, to the uh, go-kart track and have a day's racing and then load up and come home. And he still had it when I... It was getting close to licence age, which is which, which was 15 in New Zealand. So when I was about 14 or so, uh, he, uh, he let me have a drive with him in the passenger seat. So that would be the first Holden I'd ever driven. <laughs> and did you drive at any times where he didn't know no, that you drove? No, it? I didn't. Oh, you were a no, good boy. Yeah, I was. I was. Yep. Well, with the Holden anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what about the first Holden race car that you would have had a run in over in NZ? Uh, the first Holden race car, probably a Camaro. A Z28 Camaro with Neville Crichton. That was in the early 70s. Yeah. So would there be a Monaro that you would have got your backside in somewhere along the line? Uh, yes, I had my own Monaro, and um, but that, then that was about that was about 70 years, a Monaro. Um, I'm just trying to think what else could have been. That's probably about it, r- roughly. No real yeah. Tiranas going on no. until you came to Australia, I guess. No, no, no. I raced a Tirana, actually won... At, uh, in New Zealand and, and some rallies and the uh, the Glenvale race, what they call Glenvale 200 or something at Bay Park Raceway, which actually won. Yeah, okay. But, uh, you know, I never drove a lot of Holdens uh, earlier on, to be honest. Well, you made up for it a bit later on over 
over time anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So before we get to the factory era and HDT and HRT and everything in between, tell me about that L34 that you rolled up in and drove at Bathurst in in 74. You finished in the top few, first time there. Um, was it a clunker? Was it any good? What was the story? Well, it wasn't bad. It was brand new. Um, and Jandals, Mark Sheehan's his name, he was uh, a mechanic that in New Zealand that was uh, absolutely reliable, great car preparer. But he didn't quite look like a great crap of He always had shorts and thongs. That's why we called him Jandals, because we called him Jandals in New Zealand. Um, he, uh, the, the Rod Coppins, my, my good friend that I raced with and against in New Zealand, um, he got a L34 through GM um, to run Bathurst. And it was transported from GM to Road and Track Autos, which is Fred Gibson's business. Which I didn't never met Fred at that stage. Ironic, isn't it? But yeah, but the car he he came over. Uh, Mark came over from NZ virtually by himself. He may have had one helper or something, and sort of built it to the, the stuff that I had, that the HDT gave us to put on the cars. And um, when he got it got it ready, we, we we flew over type of thing only a couple of days before the event, and uh, drove up to Bathurst with it on a trailer and um, started from there. And in those days, is it just friends of friends pick crewing? There's no big contracts or deals. It's just, let's go run a race. This will be a bit of fun. No, more or less. I mean, when Rod asked me to drive, uh, if he would like to drive with him, I said, yeah, yeah, I'd love to, but I said, I haven't got any money. I couldn't, couldn't get over these. I'll, 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 I'll take care of it. So yeah, he paid my airfare and um, away we went. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was terrific. But, you know, over in New Zealand at the time, you didn't hear a lot about Bathurst because there was only really one motorsport magazine yeah. that came out and it reported all New Zealand events, not a lot of Aussie. And so I, I knew, you know, like the Frank Gardner's, Bob Jane's, Alan Moffat's and all that because we'd raced them in New Zealand. But in the earlier days, you really didn't hear a lot about it. And it wasn't on TV? No, no, well, it, wasn't, it wasn't TV for a while. <laughs> no, there was TV, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 nothing on TV. No, no racing. Different world, different time. Yeah, yeah. Now you can dial in yep, anywhere yeah. around the world with yeah. a mobile phone. Um Am I right in remembering that that car was sponsored by Southern Comfort in the early? Yep. Was, was it was it a bit of product sponsorship or was it? I'm sure there was, yeah. but, but uh, unfortunately, I didn't drink spirits. So I only drank beer. <laughs> you got stitched out of that too. <laughs> and I'm guessing luxury accommodation for a Bathurst trip in it 1974. Was. It, was, it, was, it was fantastic. We stayed at the Scout Camp uh, on the entry to Conrad Strait, and uh, dormitory accommodation was about 50 guys and. In one big dormitory in about three showers, you know, guys swinging the rafters and drinking booze and carrying on. Uh, I mean, it was really good in, in the day. Um, you couldn't do it now with old age, sneaking on. But uh, but no, no, I remember that fondly. We had, there was a group of Kiwis come over. There was probably about a dozen of them, and uh, they were all yahooing and carrying on, so it was good. And the, the race went probably better than you could have ever expected, really. I mean, you finished third in yeah, your first crack yeah. at, at Bathurst, which is stunning. No, no, it was. It was brilliant. I mean, we never we, we wanted to finish, basically, because the car wasn't prepared. Uh, sorry, the, 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 the car was prepared excellently, but it didn't have any of the major... We'd never raced before it, never driven it until it got oh, out onto the... The first practice. Yeah, never driven it until we got out on the, onto the track. But um, on race morning, I'm pretty sure it was race morning... It was raining, 
We realised, bloody hell, we haven't got any wet weather You tires. went to say something else then. It's okay, you can yeah. say that <laughs> stuff on this podcast. <laughs> right, it's yeah, all right. Shit, was it? <laughs> uh, we haven't got any tyres. Anyway, we got we got tyres. I think we've got three intermediates and three wet tyres. And that's all we had for the race. Like, you know, when it was when it was. So wet. you had to mix and match. Yeah, and it pro- probably wasn't a bad bad setup, <laughs> funnily enough. But uh, in, in the race, um, obviously a few guys fell out, which, which I always do. Um, but it, uh, it lost its uh, rear brakes because uh, basically I'm, I'm pretty sure they were still drum brakes were there in that day. Oh, on the rear, yeah, I think so. I think the might have been. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Uh, yeah, so we were, we were quite slow in the latter stages, but it was wet, and so we were at sometimes the quickest car on the track. And but we didn't know that until someone told us afterwards, you know. But uh, you know that was my fondest memories. I just of going over there, going to the track, driving around the track. But we, we didn't disconnect the car first. We drove, drove around the track as soon as we got there with the with it on the back of the trailer. The back, yeah, and then we, we had a rental car as well. So so that's the car's first lap of the racetrack yeah. was on the back of a trailer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was it was, uh, it was really good. And did you get to the end of that weekend thinking, well, that was good, that was great fun? We might come back and do this again another day. We might not, but if it if I don't, it doesn't change my world. Yeah, we we didn't even. I mean, I personally didn't even think of coming back again. I mean, we just it was so fantastic that we'd come over and we'd gone, we'd come third. But of course, in those days, third, second, and third really didn't get any recognition. No, we call it a podium position yeah. now. But did yeah. you even stand on the podium? No, no, no. 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 I, I I I think the car, the winning car, uh, was trans- transported around the track. On the back of a truck. True. In those well, days, it was. Yeah. 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 And so they didn't really, really say anything about second or third. So, you know, probably we went a bit unnoticed. But the fact is that we came third, and yeah. it was great. Really good. Probably about ten dollars prize money in those days <laughs> oh, too. No, I'm not sure. <laughs> we weren't too worried about the prize money. <laughs> Sunday night party would have been all right though. I reckon. Mind you, I was going to say we, we could have got a bit of prize money to buy the uh, buy the beer and the. Uh, Chips and stuff for that, for after. <laughs> and a Southern Comfort, of course. Oh, of course. Well, on a deal for that. Though. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, we'll fast forward a little bit here because obviously you've raced so much stuff, and we, we wanted to focus on the factory Holden yeah. connection with with you and over the years, and that amazing era of you with the Holden dealer team with with Brock um, with three wins in a row has been. You're probably sick of talking about it, but it's no, great that people talk about the about never sick of talking about winning. Um, <laughs> How did that whole deal come to be? I know you've probably talked about it before, but was it a, a phone call out of the blue? Was it a, a chat you instigated? How did it start for you to join HDT? Well, basically, I mean, I um, I didn't really know Pete that well, and, and I, I've met him a couple of times, but just to say hello to. But the the first time I met him, basically, or or, or close to the first time, was um, we were we were both happened to be in Perth. It was in, during the the time of the. Um, uh, the pilot strike. So everyone had to drive. Yeah. yeah. So we flew over there and then the strike happened and we couldn't get back apart <laughs> from driving. So um, Bev was there, Pete, um, James as, as a baby. Little, little tacker. Baby. Yeah. And, and me. And we had to get back. I had to be, be in service paradise for a race meeting in the Mustang. And Brockley had to be somewhere. And uh, so all of a sudden a Ford dealer says, Listen, I need a car taken to... To uh, Melbourne, you guys can can drive it over if you like. So he said, we said, okay, no problem. So we all leapt in the XB Falcon four door. And <laughs> so Brock and Richards drove a Falcon XB before they drove from, a Toronto eight nine X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From 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 Perth to uh, to Melbourne, <laughs> and uh, we, we didn't stop. We stopped to fill it up. We stopped to put petrol in it, 
and we didn't stop. I drove, rocked, laid there comatose, and um, when I, I got tired or, or stopped for fuel, then he drove. And uh, we just kept going, kept going, kept going until we got to Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> and is this at the stage that no deal for HDT had ever been really? This no, is This no. is way back a fair no. bit before that. So, so what, what started the – maybe it was your driving across the nullarbor that impressed them. Well, it could have been, but uh, I, I was real impressed with Brocky's effort. I mean, he was dodging kangaroos at about 130K and <laughs> – you know, I thought we were going to be going to be killed in any minute, <laughs> but uh, no, no, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't probably quite that bad. Um, but um, for the '74 and '75, I drove with, with Rod Coppers, my mate from New Zealand, in the in the same Tirana. In '76, I drove with Brocky, uh, uh, Gossy, Gossy. Yeah. '77, I had my own car there, and then um, I didn't have a full season, and it broke down on, after about 50 laps, I think, my car. Um, but anyway, one day uh, the phone rang and I answered and it was um, Greg Chambers, who was Brocky's accountant at the time. I don't know why he, he rang, but, you know. Always a bad sign yeah. when an accountant yeah. rings you up. Well, uh, so he, he asked me, listen, it's Greg Chambers here, yeah, Jim, and, uh, I'm Brocky's accountant and we'd like to know if you'd want to partner Peter at, the, at, at Bathurst. And I pretty quickly said, well, yeah, that'd be terrific. He, and he, uh, he said, well, you know, we'll, we'll pay you $5,000 to drive in 78. And $5,000 then was probably like 20 or 30 now, I suppose, yeah. or more, you know. So I said, yeah, no problem. And he said, oh, you, you, you can, you, you'll, you'll have a small share of the prize money if we win any. Um, I said, no problem. Didn't, didn't, didn't even ask the percentage. Didn't ask no, what no. it was. And I think I ended up coming, coming away with sixteen or 17000 Altogether for one weekend because we led nearly every race, yeah. every lap nearly, and the prize, some of the prize money was on a on a lap basis and a bonus type deal. Yeah, I don't know exactly how it was, but that's it was that a good deal. Matter. Yeah, good deal. Um, so yeah, so so I said yes and um, went up there. The other thing that may have may have um, been good for for me uh, was the fact that when I bought the Mustang over and and the Falcon uh, sports sedans, uh, John Shepherd. We dynoed the engine on there, and and running sports sedans, I'd run with against Pete Gagan a lot, and and Mo, and all the guys. So John was at the track, so we became not good friends at all, but but yes, good friends, but Familiar. only seen each other once a yeah. year. Yep. Uh, but when we would go to the meeting, we'd have a chat and have a talk, you know, and have a laugh, and afterwards we'd have a beer and a, and a, and a, and a wine or whatever the guys drank. And um, so I think getting to know John a bit through going to the to his workshop and dynoing our engine, then he became manager. So that may have had a hand in it. Kind of hurt. Yeah, no, it can't have hurt at all. Mm, no. mm. One of the things that um, is so different to now, for 2019, Bathurst is the first endurance race. There's a few co-drivers out there having a little bit of a sook that they don't have a Sandown 500 to get the, yeah. their eye in. Back in that era, there was the Sandown Enduro, but it was a 400 and it was a single driver yeah. race. You didn't co-drive with Peter no. at those races. No. You rolled up to Bathurst as yep. your first crack at it so history's kind of repeating for all those who aren't aware of the history yeah yeah exactly exactly i i I think that year that in 78 with brocky and i and not 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 patting myself on the back don't get me wrong but i think that was about the first year that some guys thought we've got to have two drivers that are capable of driving at the same you know at a good strong speed rather than the old way where old mate come and drive my car with me for you know for, for, for the lunchtime stint Give it back to me in good nick, and we're away. Mm. 
it became the competition became so good that they needed two drivers who could lap at the same speed. And I think that was about the start of people thinking that way. Mm. So did you roll up at Bathurst in 78 for the first time with the dealer team having, um, like now they have a dedicated test at Winton or at Ipswich, or did you just roll up and yep. go and drive? Yep. I, I can't remember ever having a drive of the car before Bathurst. No, no, in actual fact, I hadn't seen the car because I went round to the workshop to have a look for whatever reason, adds a lead up, and um, just seen it there. And then when I got to Bathurst, over the bottom, it was just all this massive polished aluminium air cleaners and ducts and stuff, and it just looked beautiful, you know. You know you're in a Chapeau yeah, team when you see that. Yeah, the guys were polishing the, you know, the, 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 the alley and the tanks and stuff, and, uh, and I only did six laps because it was all I needed to do was qualify. They were happy, obviously, that I could, I could drive. <laughs> and um, I don't think Brocky did it. He probably did 15 or 16 laps or whatever, but they said they don't want to wear it out. It's ready to go. We'll just change some axles or we'll do whatever. I think, I think we had the same engine in it. As we qualified, I'm, I'm almost sure. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, they said, "No, we'll just don't, don't wear it out." You know, <laughs> it was, uh, race day is the day for uh, getting their loot. It's payday. Yeah, yeah. How did an A9X Tirana feel compared to the, the hardtop Falcons that you'd been driving? Oh, before it felt that? felt a lot better. I mean, you know, my, my car, you know, XBs were you know no power steer, huge cast iron block in them. And a big car where the Tiranas are a small, more nimble car. Still had a V8, but probably not as heavy as a Cleveland Ford. Um, but no, it, it was, it was you know, the best car I'd, I'd driven up until 1978, you know. I'd, uh, I'd driven the Mustang Sports Sedan and the Falcon, but these were touring cars, and that's you know what you sort of aimed for at the time. One of the things when we were sitting to prepare for this podcast was we like to dig out the little nuggets of things that we've forgotten, you've forgotten, everyone else has forgotten. And we, we realised that until the Gibson team that you would later swapped to the Commodores after the Nissan era ended, you'd only done one touring car championship, as opposed to Bathurst, which wasn't yep. part of the championship, uh, one championship race in a Holden. And it was a one-off at Adelaide International yep. Raceway with the dealer <coughs> team. Right. It's yep. kind of the forgotten factory drive yep. that you yep. had in yep. the last round of the touring car championship in the second yep. John Harvey A9X. Exactly. Yep. So that was yep. your that was really your only yep. go. Yep. At, at yep. Do you remember that at all? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I, mean, I don't remember where we came, what happened, whether it broke down, whether we finished. Uh, I think you finished fifth from yep. memory. Yep, yep. Uh, but I remember it. I don't remember when that was. Was that before? Last round of the touring car championship. Yeah, but what year? 78. Okay, so it was after yeah. Bathurst? Before Bathurst. Before, okay, well, yeah. that, I did run it. Yeah, so that, that's your only car. real go. That's the only, only yeah. go ahead, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 which was... Um, yep. See, that's the little things you forget. Yeah. Not, oh, I'd forgotten that. No, that's all right. That's the, that's the sleuth way to dig <laughs> the out the, uh, oh, the like things that. from... Yeah, that's good. That's good, isn't it? Um, and when you did that deal for 78, like these days, you hear of guys who do two-year deals, three-year deals, lock yep. themselves in so we don't have to yep. go and find who we're going to get next October. That was that a case of, hey, we're really happy. We've just won the race. Here's your money. See you next year, or a phone um, call later. How did that all work? There, there, there really wasn't anything said about another year, but of course, when we won it and everything, when we were you know, having a beer and mucking around, I think it was just as, you know initially it was just assumed that I would go back again next year, you know, and um, that was what I can remember. And of course. Uh, the next time that we went there, it was um, managed by Noel Richards. Well, Shepo ran the two years with the A9X, oh, and then Noel the Richards years. ran the Commodore. Commodore. Year. That's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Um, 
But yeah, no, it just rolled on, I'm sure. It just There wasn't anything really said, no, I'm a sign here or whatever. No, I, I, I mean, I didn't have a contract, I'm, I'm almost certain. Um, so the first year, I don't think we, we did. Just, yep, no problem, away we go. Stand <laughs> by I, the phone. I, hope, I hope it works out next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, history shows it worked out three years in a row. Uh, what sort of a ship did, did John Shepard run? You talked about the yep. the presentation of the cars, yep. which yep. is really well yep. spoken about. But what sort of a, well, a he, ship did he, he run? He, totally professional. He really, really, you know, I mean, he, he did everything spot on. And all the, the mechanics respected him because of his um, teams and stuff. He'd been in with building cars with Pete, Pete Gagan and doing engines and all that sort of stuff. And plus, he, he managed it, for a, as you say, for a, for a year. Uh, but he yeah, totally professional. Not that the other drives weren't, but just it, it was always a bit more serious when Shepo ran it, you know. He was relaxed, but, you know, he, he wanted to do the job properly. And mm. if you got out of line, he'd say, hey, come on, get you back in line. <laughs> you never got out of line then. Easy. <laughs> Problem solved. Um, 79 Bathurst. It's the, the famous six-lap win. You blokes taking the mickey. Like anyone that can win a race by six laps has got to be doing something. Let every lap. Brock broke the lap record on the last lap just to really stick it into them. At what? Surely after lap. Did you know going into that race that you had him on toast? No. Really? I, Are no. you sure? Yeah. I, well, I mean, I'm, the, the, the team may, but I didn't. They didn't discuss it with me. But no, I, I didn't even know. I knew we were leading. I didn't really know we were six, six laps ahead. And I, and I don't know how long it took to get six laps ahead. Well, maybe it was, you know, the last ten laps, three cars dropped out or, or, or something. I, I don't know. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose you could say that the the six laps wasn't a, even thought of or thought about. Even when I was when I was driving the car, we just drove the same way we would have if we were coming second or third. You know, mm. we drove it sort of pretty well flat out within reason. And uh, the fact that we were, you know. Six apps in the lead. It didn't even didn't even occur to us, or didn't didn't occur to me anyway. <laughs> but uh, then Brocky was going to bring it home, bring it home. So he bothered to set the fastest lap of the race in the last lap. <laughs> Fool of a man! <laughs> <laughs> Talk about sticking the boot into them while they were down. Jeez, what um of because you had such you've had such proximity to all the stars of the sport, whether you've driven with them or or against them over time. On the Brock timeline. That's kind of peak of the powers stuff. That's yeah. when he was at his absolute yeah. top of the graph. Yeah, yeah. What what made him so special at that point? Why why could he do that that others couldn't? Well, in, in the years that, that, that we were that, that he was top of the tree more or less. I mean, he was the best driver, I, I, I believe. But others were, you know, close. But he had the best organised team. I would say he probably had the best funding. Uh, I didn't know any of this for sure, but I would say his team was the most professional. Uh, they were the first to have a really nice, one of the nice trailers and tr- truck setups and and the the, the dress, dressing and everything, all the team uniforms and everything like that was always absolutely you know on the mark. So it's really no surprise that when you bolt all those little bits together, that's the end result. Yes, I believe so. I, th- I think the next, the the, the, the next person, uh, obviously it was Moff or Bob Morris. Bob Morris' setup always looked good. He always drove really, really, really good. Prepared well by the guys and always always looked apart, a bit like a bit like Rocky. That's 79 Bathurst winning Tirana uh, because it changed to Commodore the next year. <laughs> yep. But that wasn't the last time you raced it because they took that car to New Zealand, didn't yep. they, at the end of that season and Brock <laughs> drove it for a weekend but you drove yep. it for another know, couple, a of couple, couple of Tell weekends. Tell me about, do you yeah. remember much about that? No, I, I remember going over and doing it, but I 
it was a last minute type thing because Brock had to come back. He could only go and do one and GM wanted him to do three. And um, he flew back after Pukekohe. And then I drove it. I, 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 do you know where I drove? I think, I think Bay did Park. It, I, th- I think he might have done Bay Park and I think you might have done Pookie and Manfield. Something like that. Early 1980 yeah, yeah, around there. Like so yeah, over yeah, the summer yeah, period. Yeah. Um, in a bit of a sports sedan. Sort of a setup, I think it was. It was a bit of this. It was that, more of a, like an improved touring, but more sports sedan than, than mm. an improved touring yeah. in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of run what you brung yeah, kind of. Yeah. Uh, a, bit, a bit like um, uh, um, Central Muscle Cars and mm. Touring Car Masters, a bit like that, more modified than what we're allowed to do over here yeah. in touring cars. Yep. And we actually dug out a photo of that car. They slapped the number six. Over the zero five, oh, so right, okay. you were number six when yeah, uh, you, yeah, you, you drove that car yeah, in that. New Zealand. But oh, we did the nerdy stuff, yeah, where the uh, the number stuff. So nineteen eighty, it all changes because we go from Tiranas into the first of Commodore, and the Commodore nameplate obviously continues yep. on for for forty years. Did that moving car and an era bring everyone a bit closer? Did it make it a bit tighter? I, I suppose it did. Now I can't remember now. Uh, who was second or third in the race or how far we were ahead. I think but, a lap in front that time around. Yeah, I think Peter I'm Jansen sure. was your regular podium yeah, guy in yeah. those years. But the car, initially, the car didn't seem as quick as the Tirana, but it did seem to handle every bit as good, if not a bit better. So I'm not sure what the the timeline of those days for them or what the, the A9X was lapping to what the Commodore lapped. But I'm mm. just thinking that it, it, it for some reason... The engine didn't have as much performance in the it's Commodore true. than the. Yeah, is that that yeah, be right? Yeah. yeah, I think the the Falcon teams had to go from the hard top to the four door XD, yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah, I think yeah. the emissions control of the yeah, like yeah, of it yeah, brought down right. the power yeah. a little bit. So, but it didn't stop you blokes from winning three in a row. No, so exactly. Did you drive your price up year on year because you damn well should have? I can't remember. <laughs> I, I probably was happy to be there, so I just left it like it was. <laughs> but the good thing in not in. 80 for me probably was the fact that Brocky left me in the car for the last stint. He didn't have to do that. He was, it was, he was in line to, to get in and take it over the line. But he said, no, no, stay in. So I, I, I finished it off and actually crossed the line. So that, that at the time was, 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 a, was a, you could say, a, um, a feeling that I got that he, that, he, that he trusted me and that he was, had no problems with, with me doing the, doing the finish, finishing touches. <laughs> no lap records on the last lap. No, though, definitely that not. Time around. <laughs> Just bring it on home, Richard. Because in that race, it hadn't gone as smoothly as the other ones because he'd um, – well, hit, Dick hit, hit the hit, rock, hit, hit. which was the big, you know, news story of the day and has been for 40 <laughs> years. Um, Brock hit a Gemini. Yep. And it – Barrel roll exactly. down the road, yep. so it comes. He comes screaming in with the front hanging exactly. out of it, and there's water pouring yeah. out of it, and yeah. I think he's a lap behind or whatever, and a bit of a fight back. I, but- I remember him saying, "Don't take the don't take the cap off, don't take the radio cap off." Someone yelled, and so they didn't, and, and then he got going, and of course, as he, as soon as he got going, the temperatures came down, and just way we went. And, and actually, he rejoined onto the track. As Dick Johnson came past him, and that lap out of the pits is when Dick hits the rock. Oh, is that right? I didn't yeah. didn't realise that. Yeah, yeah. so incredible. The great irony of one challenge. Were we leading at the time? Do you know? No, that's the rejoin after the the repairs from hitting the Gemini. So it was a lap down. Yep. Johnson had oh, gone that's past. Right. Yeah, 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 that was over the race in eighty one. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, um, Brock and KB had yeah. a side by side bump and broke the panhard rod or the watch link or something. Mm. Yeah, a couple of laps in early. Young blokes getting too excited and forgetting it was a um, 
a thousand kilometre race. race yeah. The other thing with that 1980 race, Jim, is that by that stage Brock had taken over the Holden Dealer team because Shepherd yeah. had run it for a few years, and then with the backing and assistance of some Holden yep, Dealers, yep, yep, HDT yep. had come under his yep, um, control, right. and yep. Noel Richards that's had right. been engaged as the team manager. So uh, had much you know, the delivery was the same, the number car was the same. Did much change with that change in? It didn't ownership? seem to change to me because I mean I, I really didn't see them all year. I just seen a Bathurst type of thing, you know. Um, but no, the, the the professionalism still seemed to be there, and and, and all the mechanics of people you sort of knew more or less were there over those those years. Um, so no, nothing much changed from 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 my point of view. It, it was just kind of a just Richo will be there, lock it in October four, yeah, five, six, less. whatever date it yeah. falls this year. You're there. Yeah, no, more or less. That's exactly how it was. Worked out. <laughs> wasn't such a bad deal. Then, of course, you went off and, and, and did the Frank Gardner thing with yep. uh, the BMW stuff. We've had Mark Scaife on this podcast. I'm going to just change gears for a second. He has told us a story, and we need you to validate whether this is true, <laughs> slightly true, or completely false. Whereabouts on the scale? A higher car race out the gate at Simmons Plains one night between Brock and Scaife. You're in the Scaife car with, I think, maybe Fred Gibson and some GMS guys. And there's some hardcore rallycross stuff to get out of the gate, yep. of which certain pieces of hire car were left behind. Is, is this a true story? Has uh, yes, this been a bit yes. of mayo put on this one? Yes, no, no, no. We did. We had a, had a, uh, Scafi was driving, we blazed around the pit area and, um, you know, through bloody bumps and holes and stuff. I think it might have plucked a bumper or something off that I'm not sure something came off it. But, uh, and then we blazed out the gate and away we went. <laughs> I think it was not as bad as the truck. Blazing around, running over the dunny, was it? Oh, well, that's enough. You've got to tell that story. You have to tell that story. Who did that? A Liz, I think, wasn't it? It was a Liz and, and, and JPS. I think it might have been, yeah. potentially. There was a toilet block that disappeared at yeah. Simmons Plains. Yeah. That every year. I'm, I think, pretty, I'm pretty sure Frank Gardner always says that he got the bill for it. <laughs> I think everyone wasn't too impressed with the toilet block and expected a new one every year, so they thought they'd help demolish the, exactly, the current yeah, exactly. one to make sure that they uh, fast-tracked the build of the, the follow-up one. But um, uh, we probably wind forward here, and the reason I asked that little story about Scaife and the hire cars at Simmons Plains is that your next Holden factory involvement is with him um, yeah. down the track with HRT. So, we've, you know, we've... The last time you roll up as a Bathurst factory Holden guys, 81, your last yep. run with Brock and the dealer team. And then you rewind, or fast forward, not rewind, to 02, 2002 with relinking yep. with factory yep. Holden, yep. relinking yep. with with Mark Scaife, yep. who you'd driven with, obviously, in the, the Nissan days. You always talk about that you, you felt you didn't do the best job that day, even though you, you won the race. Were you, you've been really hard on yourself. Yeah, no, not moment. really, not really. I mean, I, I like to, when I go into these events, I mean, I, I always sort of said to myself when I when I stopped driving V8s full-time, which is a 90, I'm just trying to think when I stopped driving full-time. 95. Six or five? 95. Yep, yep. Um, if I if I couldn't lap in the top ten, um, then I you know, I didn't really want to go in it because I, I wasn't going as well as I could have gone had I been driving the cars all the time. But um, that particular year, um, I was I was hesitant. I was I was a bit. Uh, I didn't drive probably hard enough and didn't. So I, I was always thinking of the consequences of Scafi lo- losing Bathurst. As well as losing the touring car championship, you know, if 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 something that I did was, you know, I, I didn't want that to happen, so I was very conservative. And the probably the one the, the one thing that I always remember is it was a we were on slicks and it was a damp track, 
and Russell Ingle and I were having a little bit of battle, but he passed me and he and he pulled out about 20 seconds on me over my stint. And um, it was slippery. He was just doing a better job with what he had, but I was cautious. And that could have lost us the race, but it didn't. You know, and we uh, got a pace car and uh, Scafie caught those 20 seconds back and Steve was in the car. Yeah, so that's a great, yeah. great irony there yeah. is he caught back up yeah. and he beat your son yeah, to yeah, give you the win. Exactly, so. exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but, but you know, I just didn't think I drove as good as I could have had that, um, not the weight, because, I, you know, you don't think about it when you're driving around, a, 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 you know, the, across Skyline, but but the, the thought was always there that we've got to make sure that we can get home. So, like, the, the best drive I ever had at Bathurst, I believe, was 2003. Mm. And and we came fifth, I think we came fifth or something. Yeah, fifth, I think it was. But we're only sort of like five seconds away, ten seconds away from the from the lead. And I think in the last last part of the race, we were virtually one of the well, we were probably the quickest car for a few laps. Uh, qualified third in our own right. Um, and I just that was you know I I loved the race because I was competitive every stint, running with the leaders. And uh, no, no, I, was, I enjoyed that. Better than some of the wins I've had. <laughs> yeah, and because that year you were the you and Tony Longhurst were in the second car, so you didn't have that Scaife Championship no, thing on also, your head. Also, the thing is, which which is the right way to go. When you're a co-driver at Bathurst, you you go you get your turn to go out there, and and everyone will tell you you're on the old tyres hmm. with a full tank of petrol because <laughs> you're a bit a bit a bit like the guinea pig, you know. I used to call Scaife the guinea pig, but you, you don't you, you listen. You get you're treated really well, but you're not there to set pole position, you know, and you've got to realise that, where you don't just sort of go there and try and beat the guy that's hired you, because uh, that's not what you're pl- employed for. Uh, so in 2003, I was lead driver of the car, and Tony was the, the co-driver. So I got all the new tyres, all the good tyres, and got to qualify, and every time I came in, put a new set of tyres on, put a new set of tyres on. <laughs> so it was fantastic, you know, and, and our times just kept getting better and better and quicker and quicker. You know, it was, it was really good. <laughs> One of the audio grabs that we will pull out for this podcast is from the closing stages of that 03 race. Look at this attack by Jim oh, Richards. Jimmy goes up against his son, Stephen. This oh. is full position and they get together on wow. turn one. That kind of answers that question. I don't think there's any love lost there. <laughs> get out of the way, kid. That's proof. You versus Steve in the latter stages, and your duck shoved him off the road at turn yeah. one. No, no, I didn't. How good? No, you look at it again. No, no, you got down the inside yeah, of it. Yeah, it was yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was... But, I, but I just, the back brakes just locked up a little bit, and I had to let the brakes off a bit, and I just actually went past it, but he turned. He turned in and, and turned in and got the back of the. Yeah, yeah. But see, I was, I was catching that, that lead group reasonably, not quickly, but yeah, over the, over the, Getting the last 10 laps, so it would come down and down and down and down and down. And I could see Murph. I think Murph won it that year. True. Yeah. I could almost see him going, turning the corner as I was coming out of the, the chase type of thing. But there was four cars in between us, and I thought, well, if I can slip past Steve because I'd caught that group up, which was the leading group, I could actually maybe get a chance to, to get on the podium. And um, but yeah, no, no. But that, that was just a Steve had a bit of a cock up coming on to the, the pit straight, and I got a good run. And he sort of tried to, to walk me a little bit, and I just slipped down the inside. But just, you know, he braked as late as he could and uh, sort of sucked me in a little bit. But if he hadn't have just touched the back of me, I would have gone around and gone and been uh, fourth instead of fifth. <laughs> yeah. A couple of hardcore races, just that. And it's what uh, yeah. the closing stages of a Bathurst are all about yeah, when no, there's, no, a, good. there's a result on the line. Um, how did that deal to get you to HRT happen? Because you'd. We've sort of fast-forwarded, yeah. you know, it'd been the full-time Gibson 
time, some GRM endurance driving with Steve and yep. Jason Barguana, a bit of a run with John Bow in the cat car, yep. Yep. Uh, a year at Glenn Seaton's Ford Tickford team with yep. Dean Canto, and then you're in with Scafe, you're, you're yep. reunited. Uh, how, did, how did that all Well, come that, to that be? All, all took place really because um, uh, 19, I think in 1996 or five that I stopped, took full time. Full, full time, end of 95. End of 95. Yep. Well, how that happened was that that I was sort of co-driving for Scafie, which which was one of the best co-driving drivers to have, and Steve had just not long started in the Commodore with Gary, and Gary um, he just rang me out of the blue one day and said, um, "He said, what are you doing next year, at Bathurst?" I said, "Well, I'm not really sure. I said, well, I'd, say, I'd say I'd be going with with Scafie you know, as co-driver, you know, like as, as sort of normal type of thing." And he said, um, would you come and drive for me and drive with Steve? And I just said, yep. Done. And then I just went and told Fredo, no, nah, no problem. They were just wrapped, you know, within reason mm. that, that, uh, that I did it. And, uh, yeah, so that was 96. And then we, we didn't finish. Uh, 97, we came second, which was as good as a win. It was bloody terrific. Be interesting to see if anyone else, father and son, can get yeah, a placing yeah. up there. I'm not sure where we're going to find no, another no. father and son. Anyway, yeah, and then '98, I was driving with Steve again, but he got the call up to go to England mm. to test, to be test driver for the Nissan team, and and not, nothing against the, the whole setup, but really I was only there because Steve was there. As when I was say that's the only way where I wanted to drive there was drive with Steve. So because it was late in the day, I had no other no other option. You're already there. I was yeah. there, so I drove a co-drive with Bargs. Still finished on the podium. Yeah, still finished yeah. third. I think it was, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that was great. But then, then after that, I, I, I obviously left and went with Bowie for two years. And, you know, we didn't I, – I, I think we had dramas every freaking race. Mm. Um, it caught on fire one day. Yeah, I caught think, on fire memory. at Queensland Raceway, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, it was all good. So for this 2002 year, to get you in at HRT, oh, so, so Scafie just rings Scafie up and says, hey, brother, you're on, we're in. He rang me because he obviously knew that, I, that with Bowie that you know, hadn't worked out brilliantly, but I had two years paid driving. Um, and yes, Scafie just rang up one day, said, you know, what are you going to do next year Bathurst? And I said, well, I, I don't really know at the moment because probably the guy that was running Bowie, I forget, it was a guy in Perth? Which had gone to Queensland, it had become John Briggs's yep, it was team. Before that, though, but Kevin anyway, Otway from Perth had been the cat guy that had I, set I, it all I, up. I think yeah. he, he was one that he did the deal for me to drive, and I'm pretty sure that the deal wasn't coming through, coming through again because he was not there. He'd gone to somewhere else to take the car. Anyway, I, I, I said to Scafie, "Yeah, no, no, I would like to." He said, "Oh, well, I could uh, co-drive with us." I said, "Yeah, great, no problem." And that, that, that's how it happened. It was just a phone call. And, uh, yeah. There was two Enduros back then. We were at Queensland Raceway for the 500 um, yep. in that era. Sandown had moved. Poor Sandown's been on and off the calendar for the 500 yep. about 18,000 times. But you drove with Thomas Mazira in that Queensland yes. weekend and then you drove with Scafe. Exactly. In the days where the, the main gamers could pair up together or yep. be split depending on the team's championship position. So... Um, but I think from memory, you, you and Thomas had a great run at Queensland, and yeah. then you went and won Bathurst. So it was yeah. a it was a great little. No, no, we had a good stint. run at Queensland. We we we, we practiced, and we we did we just reasonably easy. All of a sudden, we, we did some 
really good times. And 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 it, and we were probably I think fourth or fifth fastest out of the whole field. Now you can look this up and probably say that's not right. <laughs> it's probably not far off if it's not um, right though. But anyway, um, come qualifying, we did one uh, one set of tyres and went faster than we had in the practice. And that and, and in the practice we were sort of fourth or fifth or whatever it was. So we sort of sat it out for a while. And all of a sudden, everyone started going faster and faster and faster. And we were, we, we, we didn't. No and I think we started 20th or something. Yeah, yep. You know, way back. And But we, I remember we passed nearly every second or so lap, we passed a car. <laughs> and, and I used to say, there was a little bit of leaning. No, a, little, a little bit of leaning. A little bit of leaning. Oh, okay. But nothing that was mechanically bugging the car. But anyway, we got right up to uh, the, end of the, the end of the race, fourth place. Yeah. Were those HRT Commodores of that era, because that was their amazing era that Mark had, winning lots of championships and races, were they, in comparison of the cars and the era they were in, like that A9X of the late 70s? Yeah, they were the, the pinnacle car that was less, the car to beat. More or less, yeah. yeah, yeah. What and made I, them so good? I, I, I reckon that they was Scaifey. I mean, a lot of people said Scaifey wasn't any good at setting a car up. You know, he made them too soft and too this and that, and the cars would lurch right the road. But it wasn't that. It was the fact that we had that we were running around on the tyre we had, which was Yokohama, great tyre, but you couldn't set the car up the same as what the Dunlop of the Bridgestone was. So Scafi was a bit of a man on his, on his own, basically in our team, trying to make the, the Yokohama work really, really well for us on our car. And as soon as they, they changed the tyre brands, of course, then you know, no, no, one, no one questioned him. Mm, mm. Well, he still had a lot of wins, exactly. so the yep. result yep. sheet always tells the tells the story. Did you drive a hard bargain with Scafi? No, not really. No, no. He already he paid me paid me what probably more than I thought I, what I would get. I think uh, roughly it was fifty fifty thousand. Good deal in those in those days. Yeah, you didn't get a free Xbox, did you? No, I didn't because I'm no. no good on the Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought I'd check. Yeah. Just thought I'd check. There's a year where you go and drive with Steve again in the Castrol yep. car, and unfortunately, you met the wildlife. Yeah, exactly. At in 04. Yep. Yep. No, well, we, 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 when Steve went to, to Glenn's in the, in the, in the Ford, uh, he said to me, he said, we haven't got a, you know, another driver. Uh, they were talking to, to Dino about doing something. Uh, as a full-time basis, and uh, they said, "Well, what about? Why don't you give? Who was the chap that was running Glenn's team then? John Matthews. Yes, yep. yeah. Give him a ring. So I gave him a ring. He said, yeah, no, we'd love to have you. Da, da, da. So that's when I went with Cedo. Yep. Just because it was sort of, you know, Steve was there. Um, they needed a co-driver anyway, and uh, decided to to do that. Well, then of course, um, when when Steve went to Larry, Larry drove with Steve. Yeah, you know, three when you'd been at HRT. Yep. 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 And uh, so Larry decided he wasn't going to do it anymore. So Steve suggested me. Larry rang me and, and, and sort of did a deal. And it it was, it, was, it was a bit of a fraught attempt to go on. The car was a brand new car, beautifully repaired, the whole deal. And at um, Sandown, it uh, the throttle stuck and was straight ahead over the at, at the turn two three. Oh yeah, the, good, and, yep. and, and, and and ripped the bottom of the of the front spoiler off. And it hadn't been reinforced like they normally reinforce them. They quickly and it fell apart. So we lost ages in the in, in the pits doing that. And I'm not sure where we came at Sandown, whether we even finished. I can't no, remember. No, we're special. Yep. No, we're special, yeah. Um, and then at Bathurst, everything was going fantastic because Steve was on pole. 
Uh, I was going good. And um, would you believe that in, in, the, in my, I think it was my first stint in the race, the throttle stuck again. Mm. And, went, and I went into the tyres at turn two mm. and backed out and, and, and came around and was, was all okay. So we kept going and we were in the group. I remember Russell Engler was behind, behind me when the kangaroo jumped out. And it just jumped out, bang, and I jammed the brakes on as hard as I could. Then Russell ran me up the bum, <laughs> bent on the back of the car, and just tore the front of it off in the, the old kangaroo. Um, but we were a genuine chance of, of, of winning because we were in the, you know, in the leading pack, um, and it was a shame because when they got the car in and checked it, the new airbox was touching the throttle every now and again on a certain engine vibration or whatever, and you'd get it not on full throttle, but as, as you throttled off, it would just catch. Sometimes it would click, and it did. What, well, that's what it did with Steve when he went off over the, the grass. But of course, no one thought to to look at the new airbox and make sure it was a you know away from the, the yeah. throttle. So when did they figure that out? They, they figured that out after I said I I said the throttle jammed. Ah, that didn't jam, you know. I said I wouldn't have gone in there if it yeah, hadn't, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then they Steve said, oh, they found that the the throttle arm was touching on the airbox. They'll do it. Yeah. So had you had Scafey tried to keep you for that? No, year? he didn't. No, no. I, I just I, I just said, listen, I like to go and, and drive with, with Steve. He said, yeah, no, no problem. No, no that's 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 weird. There's a couple of young blokes you shared with Aussie internationals for the the next couple of years at HRT. Yeah, yeah, James no, 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 I, was, I was just thinking why I didn't sort of stay with with Steve. Maybe Scafey offered more money. No, no, no. It wasn't that. Unfortunately, or I would have gone there. <laughs> you would have remembered. <laughs> I would have remembered. I would have definitely gone. But I I, I don't think Larry was that. Larry sort of, you know, is Larry, and he, I think he thought that was partly my fault. Oh, really? And, and, and he'd never said anything to me, but he did, he, but he did make a comment to, to the press uh, once that I heard, secondhand, uh, that, oh, no, he's, he, I'll get a, he'll get a good good, good car over next year. Yeah, we, we, we've had all the, the so-called winners and stuff there. We'll get someone who's, you know, young and mm. sort of just, just a bit of a barb. I've never said anything to him, but... Um, uh, I, I just didn't think he was happy. Well, hey, I wouldn't have been happy either, but it was mm. no one's no one's fault. Mm. And uh, he was probably the first one to say that the throttle didn't stick because he prepared the car, you know. Mm. <laughs> but uh, but no, no, it was all good fun. And then and, and then Scafey rang up again. He said, "What are you doing?" He I made said, a lot of phone calls, didn't he? Scafey ring. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah we're, we're talking now and again. But um, um, and he said, um, "This is what's happening. We've got um, James James Courtney who's going to going to drive for us." And uh, want you to you know go with them and you know and that was when James was reasonably um, new at touring cars obviously mm. so I, I I qualified the car again and we were in the top ten mm-hmm. and um, what happened then oh James hit the wall mm. but mate basically only because the PI system had gone crazy it wasn't working the ref gunner wasn't going lights were flashing everywhere. And he radioed back, not flustered, but just, you know, what, what's going on here, you know? And I think that just took away a bit of concentration. He just glanced the, glanced the wall and bent the suspension. Mm. Um, so that was, uh, that was us out. And then 2006, I did exactly the same thing. I, th- I, I think we, 2006, Ryan Briscoe qualified the car at Sandown, like, on pole position. A provisional pole before the shootout. Before the shootout. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. it stunned yeah. everybody, even exactly. faster than Tander in yeah, the sister HRT exactly, car. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and I think we went about this because of his, his 
I suppose, an experience at Bathurst. I think I, I'm pretty sure I qualified the car again. True. you did, yeah. But that might have been the year where it, I went out on wet tyres because it was a, a, a damp track and it was just drying up. And, uh, oh, I think that was the year before. Was that the year before? In 06, yeah, you just okay. missed the shootout by a yeah, bee's yeah, knee yeah. sort of. 11th or something yeah. like that. Did you enjoy that role with those two young guys who were clearly highly credentialed with their overseas and karting and open wheelers, but that was their first crack at supercars in those two respective years? Yeah, did you no, enjoy listen, that little mentor role? I, I did. And, and, and basically when you're, you know, you're driving for a really good team, you've got to do a reasonably good job. And, and um, the, the youngsters weren't any quicker than I was at Bathurst. So that was pleasing to me. So I knew that having not been there before, they were doing a fantastic job, you know, really good. And um, I think we, you know, we could have, you know, been featuring for a podium maybe because the car was was miles good enough, um, and they were going to they were only going to get quicker as the race went on, type of thing, you know, for the because you don't get to do a lot of laps. But uh, no, no, it was, it was, it was, I, I enjoyed it, but that was the time when I I was following and you remember it like it was yesterday, Alex Davison, and he was in the second DJR car. No, or was it? Was it Stone Brothers? No, 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 no. Anyway, yeah. can't think. Following real close, and, and we're all in sort of a, a line. And um, just on one lap, I went through the the, the, the dipper, right? And, and Alex was right behind me, and, went, and just to turn, turn, you know, out of the dipper, it just goes right. As we went right, I turned, and it just the front wheel clipped the armco. Bent the steering and just turned me straight into the concrete wall on the outside. But you don't see the first bit. Mm. You only see me hit the, which the, the, the damage was done the two that, seconds before. The vision on the race day <laughs> yeah. is it's pretty much yeah. all done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought to myself, no, because I, I, I pride myself on on not overextending myself, as in you know worrying about spearing off. I never worried about that. So when that that happened, I just thought, no, no, I've had enough. So it took that. You hadn't thought about it before that race that day. Yes, probably, but not not that I was going to announce a retirement or anything. You know, mm-hmm. to be honest, it was, it was just you know, I, I, I you know, how, how much longer will I go? Da 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 da. But because it was getting more competitive, I was still only driving once a year. I didn't do any testing, and you know, not that I wanted to, to test because when I was driving with Scafie all those years, I didn't do any testing. He did all the testing, and then I I got the car and drove it. It was always good. Uh, and whatever he did to his car, they did to mine. So you know, I, kept, I sort of kept up with the development through through that way. But uh, but yeah, no, I I, I I think basically the last few years after drove with Steve in two thousand and four, then Scafie got me back. Right, there was a wage, there was money. Money had a bit to do with it, right? Because each year I drove at Bathurst, I was getting paid mm. a, a, a lot of money. And um, that was the, the, the year that um, I just decided, no, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm enjoying it, but I know I could go better if I drove the cars more. So I, 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 and I was late 50s, I think, mid, mid-late mm, 50s. Mm. And I thought, no, that's it. I was, I was disappointed that I'd done that. And, uh, yeah, but I didn't, didn't tell anyone. I just, I just said, escape you, uh, after, uh, you know, Day weeks after that, as I rang him and just said, "No, I'm not going to not going to go again." Did he try to talk you out of it? No, not really. I don't think. Mm. No, no, not that I can remember. Yeah, no. He probably knew too that I probably wasn't driving as good as I should have been or could have been, mm. or I could. But uh, but yeah, no, no. Anyway, I think the, I think we missed the top ten, as you said. I think we missed it 
just. By, yeah, by yeah. 11th or something. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Is that one of those ones where you've just got to have the courage to be honest with yourself and yep. look yourself in the eye and go, yep, 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 no, no. And and it's funny because um, many years later, I uh, I said, said to Glenn Seaton because Glenn went back and drove for, for Scafies. He got all his mates right? to come and have a yep. go, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I knew that then he went somewhere else and somewhere else. And I thought to myself, he's not enjoying this, you know. And I said to him one day, just when we were doing some autographs at a, at a um, meeting, nothing to do with V8s. I said, so I said, Glenn, were you were you glad when you when you when you stopped? He says, bloody oath, I was absolutely, and that's exactly the way that I felt. Just mm. felt I really don't need to do that anymore. Mm. And it wasn't enjoying the last couple of races. I, I enjoyed them, but not as much as when you knew you were, mm. you know, doing the total thing properly. One of the other things that happened in that. Well, for that 2006 year, that there was a big drama where the HRT and Toll team swapped their drivers around from their regular seasons because they were trying to protect the thing that everyone was worried about, that if you put your two regulars fighting for the championship in yep. one car at Bathurst yep, exactly. yeah, and it yeah. didn't finish and they scored zero, they're both hurt. Exactly. So they put Tander in with Scaife in the red car and they put Rick Kelly to stay in the Toll car. Now... You stayed in the red car with Ryan Briscoe. Yep. Nothing changed for you year on year, car 22. Yep. You might not have been aware of this, but at the time there was all sorts of combinations that could have happened and who went into what car where. We spoke to Garth Tander about this. One of the scenarios that had been to the point where it had been written in a press release but didn't end up going yep. out or happening was that you would have been co-driver for Garth in the Toll HSV car. And when we told him that, he thought that was the best thing ever, that he could have shared a Bathurst with Jim Richards, which would have been your last one in the end, but I guess that never made it well, past I, your desk. I, 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 I mean, I, if that was the case, I never knew anything about it. Mm. No, I never knew anything about it. It could have worked and, out. And, and, and if it had have gone, I would have been more than happy to drive the Garth. <laughs> the things that could yeah, have, should have, yeah, exactly. didn't happen, yeah, sliding yeah. doors of racing. Um, tell me about the Mark Scaife of O2, versus the Nissan era, say, 92? What was different about him? What had he got better at? What had he honed in that time? Well, I, I believe that he got, th through the years that I was with, with Nissan, with Mark, he, he got better and better and better and better and better until in 92, he was every bit as good as I was and maybe a fraction better in some, some areas. Some of that, not all of it, natural talent that he has got was the data. As, as I was saying, I, I would... If I wanted to, if I thought my car was doing something wrong, I'd say to Scafie, what, what are you doing? Are you having the same problem? Well, yeah, we're going to try a different shock. So he would buzz out and, and try, the, yeah, no, that's an improvement. I said, well, just put that on my on mind as well, which they always knew to do because that's what I said. I said, I won't bother wearing the car out. Whatever Scafie's happy with, put on my car because I know that it's fast and I'll, I'll just work around getting getting the best out of it. So that was the Scafie in, in 92. He got the best out of it and he, and he, and he won the, the, the championship, and then basically for 2002 era, he was, well, 10 years on. Mm. He was he was a better driver than he was in 92, that's for sure. More mature. Um, he owned the team, didn't he, at that, that stage? Just about to. Just yeah, about not to. Far off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think he had a lot of confidence and, and everything that he did, well, he was, he was confident of everything he did anyway. But no, he just kept getting better. Well, one of the reasons is the data. He read the data good. He had, had Ross as an engineer, whatever it was at the time. I didn't bother looking at the data. 
but I'd always, we'd always overlay our laps, Scaife and I. So after practice, if, if he was quicker than I was, I'd say, Jesus, you know, give us a look at the, the lap. So we'd overlay it. Oh, Jesus, you, I can't believe you're in that corner that fast. You know, and, and he would say the same sometimes, you know. And um, that's how my data was read. Where am I slower than you? You say, here and here. I was like, okay, well, I'll work on those two points. <laughs> <laughs> He's always said that he learnt so much from you, not just about racing but life away from the track. What sort of things do you think he's, he's talking about there? I'm really interested in. in. In a way from the track as, I guess, probably over yeah, a beer here or there yeah. or a dinner rather than yeah. the looking at squiggly lines on computers. Well, at yeah, I mean, when I, when I first joined, he was, he was a hard case um, young guy, a bit brash, but, uh, and I was a married man. But his dad and I were the same age. So although being mates, hang on, well, I'm the same age as your dad and I'm giving you advice, you know. <laughs> But, but anything that I knew that he wanted to know, I was happy to give to him. No problem. No problem. To me, the team, to me, I'm a bit different. I think the most important thing is the team and then personal um, where, where you get to. But if I couldn't win, I wanted the team to win. Mm. A lot of guys think the opposite way. I want to beat my teammate first and... I think, well, hang on, like if you, that'll happen anyway eventually. But you've got to keep everything going as quick as you can. So if I had something that I could, I could do to make Mark quicker, I was more than happy to hand it on, you know, and, and vice versa. You know, if, when we compared laps, he'd, he'd say, no, no, well, I'm using third gear there, and I, you're using second or whatever. So I'd try third. And that was something that I wouldn't have done had Scaife not been there, mm. you know, because I wouldn't have had the data. I didn't understand it didn't, and, and really just couldn't be bothered with it, you know. <laughs> All those squiggly lines, yeah. too hard, too hard. One of the things we do on the V8 Sleuth podcast, Jim, is the couch racer questions where we open it up to the floor on social media and the fans send in their questions. When we said we were coming to see you, it blew up our email box and our social media <laughs> because there were so many questions. We've had to narrow it down to about the best 10 or 11 that we that we could do. Um so I might start with one from Paul Wright, and he says, Brock told a good yarn about Harry Firth inviting him to the HDT. How do you remember your call-up? Well, we've kind of answered that yeah, one. Yeah, so exactly. I'll yeah. just get – hang on. I'll get the pen out. Yeah, the call-up was um, um, Grant – what did we say? Oh, Greg Chambers, yeah, the Greg accountant. Chambers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Rob Humphreys asks, have TCM gone too far, effectively allowing the cars to be pretty much sports sedans? Well, you know, in my personal opinion, yes, that they have. I mean – when the majority of the car owners started Touring Car Masters, the regulations were going to stay in forever with minor adjustments because the minute you start int- introducing later model cars and modifications that cost a lot of money, n- not everyone can afford it. There was only probably in Touring Car Masters when we first started, Bowie and I were the only sort of, you could say, professional sponsored drivers who could afford to, to do what we were doing. A lot of the guys couldn't. A lot of the guys ran their own businesses. They uh, had no budget, but they loved the, 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 the class and the cars and raced them. Well, by changing the regulations all the time, everyone had to spend more money. And then all of a sudden, they've introduced another eight years onto the, the date that was supposed to be the date forever. The cutoff of yeah, the eligibility, yeah. yeah. And um, I think the Tiranas and the, the, the Falcons and the Commodores now, they're another era. They're another era. The, the muscle car era. You know, they overlap it, but they've got a class. They've got Group C, they've got improved touring or whatever it might be. But um, the main thing for me why I decided to stop was the Biff and Bash. Hmm. 
I just kept sick and tired of taking the, the car down to get a dent taken out of it and, you know, and, 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 and rebuilding it, you know, costing tens of thousands of dollars. The first five years of Touring Car Masters, I, I didn't get a scratch. Mm. But, you know, as, as a class goes along, they, they all change, but this wasn't supposed to. So I, um, I, I still love driving the cars, but I can't, can't afford it now. They've made it so expensive. We're sitting here in your workshop and the, the Javelins here and the, the yep. Falcon Sprint as well. Are they, are they parked here for good? Yeah, yeah. They no, they, they, going- I, I won't race them again, but I, but I might go out when I've got to drive that sand down and take one out and give it a few laps just just to, to keep it yeah. buzzing around, you know, because yep. they have great cars to drive. I love the class. Mm. But I just think it went a bit too far, so that's just me. There you go. There's the answer for Rob, who asked the question. Uh, another Rob, uh, Robert Ringleben, uh, asks, when you were told about the JPS BMW team being sold off to Brock, did you suspect at all that it was coming, and what was your first reaction to hearing about the JPS team effectively closing down? No, the first uh, the first thing I knew about it was I got a phone call from uh, Ron Meacham, the head of BMW at the time, and um, he said, oh, Jim, I went, uh, I've, got, I've got Frank coming down. Um, and we'd like to meet up and have lunch together. I said, yeah, no problem. So we went to a little restaurant behind this. It's a famous restaurant. I can't think of the name of it now, but around, around the St Kilda area, but near the, 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 the Remembrance or the Art Centre. Oh, or the, the Shrine. The Shrine and the Art Centre. Yeah, I know yep. what you mean. Yep. So we all met there and sat down and, <clears throat> and, and having a beer and having a chat. And all of a sudden, Ron said, Jim, he said, we've got some news. He said, we're, we're disbanding the team. And I said, what? Pick you up off the floor. You know? And he said, yes, Frank's medical, medical condition isn't brilliant from all the times he's been racing cars and working on them and running them and this and that. He's had to get his blood cleaned every now and again just to make sure he's you know, in the right path. Now, whether or not that was the truth... I didn't argue, I didn't ask whether or not, or whether they just wanted, they could see the writing on the wall that the BMs wouldn't be competitive the next year. Um, I don't know, but I, I, I was happy. They, they, we had a great time together and and then, so now we left not knowing what's going to happen. But then a, a, a day or so, it might have been a week later, Ron rang me again and said, listen, we, we're thinking of doing a deal with Brocky and we feel bad for you that, you were left on a limb. So if you would let us, we would include you in the deal for Brocky to take the cars and the, and the bits. So basically I was part of the, 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 the transfer and, uh, and Brocky was happy because he wanted to head on two cars. And so that's how that, that ended up. So I had no idea when, after going to lunch. And um, a week or so later, I realised I had another drive anyway. <laughs> it worked out okay then. Yeah. Um, Bede Phillips asks if you could reflect on that 1995 Gibson Winfield Commodore at Bathurst, the one that was out in the lead with the, the tail shaft that, that went, that it had amazing fuel economy. It went for, I think at the time, a regular stint was 34, 35 laps. I think it went 38 something. or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. How the hell did that happen? Now I can't remember whether it was the year or not, but we had a um, had a switch on the dash which would lean the motor out, and I'm certain that and now I, I can't be yet totally certain, but we had good economy because basically we, we didn't. Fortunately, for some reason, it was quite quick at the start. I think I started the race. You did and yeah. pulled out a, yeah. a lead, 
but every time that we had, a, and I can't think whether it was the same year, but we had a switch which would lean the motor down when on, on a part throttle, so you, it wouldn't take a lot of a lot of throttle. That was only for safety cars, uh, for whatever might may happen, and we just yeah just just kept going, kept going, kept going. But it was very economical anyway. But with these little innovations, things that they had, it, uh, yeah, for some reason just. But the thing was, we did. I didn't rev it as hard as. You know, I could have, mm. but that didn't slow it down for some reason. But mm. it saved a bit of fuel. It was a rocket, uh, and yeah. I think Larry. That's the year Larry came from last yeah. to first and had the flat tire, and you had him a lap down. Oh, exactly, exactly. Were, um, and then it went bang. Uh, Keith Hartley asks one. This is good. I like this question. Are there any overseas events that you would have liked to have done during the Group A year? Of course, Group A was a worldwide category. Um, you know, a Spa twenty four hour maybe, or a Nurburgring. Were there any other those overseas events that you would have liked to have had a dip at? To be honest, no, not really. I, I I'd, I'd, you know, driven. You know everything. I've driven well, every class that I can think of. I've driven everything. Uh, I had three kids at home and a mortgage, and I wasn't about to to go overseas. You know, for a for a meeting, yes. But my thinking was that Spa, Nurburgring, what what tracks? Having never seen the tracks before, and I know that you get minimum practice, that you could never justify a good outing on those tracks just by going there. You'd have to go there for a year, you know what I mean? Mm. So I, I thought, no, I've got enough driving over here, I'm getting paid over here, I'll stay here because I had the family. But the other the other thing was that I, I didn't want to go there and not do a good job because I couldn't, you know, remember the track. Mm. Well, fair enough. One, uh, Jeff Bishop actually asked some other internationally connected questions. Um, there was a World Cup of Motorsport you did with Gricey in Mexico. <laughs> which is not one I've really talked to you about on, on any of the things we've done over time. There's a follow-up question too, but I'll, I'll leave that separate because they're kind of two separate things. What the hell was the World Cup of Motorsport in Mexico with Alan Grice? What were you driving? Had it? What was that? Well, I, I knew nothing about it. I think it was in 1990. In the, in the ni- early 90s, I And uh, Grice, rang me up. He said, oh, Alan Grice here, Jim. I said, oh, hell, how's things? Uh, he said, I've got a bit of a weird one for you. <laughs> he said, I've had an offer, this is Grice, um, you had an offer to, to go to Mexico and drive in an international challenge. Um, and the, the, the deal was that there's 20 cars, every car is a different drive, uh, like Japan had two drivers, Australia had two drivers, England, USA, Canada, and, and like two drivers from that country, and each car was painted like the flag, so the, the Japanese drivers had, it was all, all a white car with a big rising sun or whatever, you know, and um, he said they wanted to ask Alan Jones to go because Alan Jones was a world champion and um, he, he can't go, so him and, him and I, you know, would you like to, to go in, in his place? And um, I, 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 I took a little while to think about it for a while. I thought, yeah, yeah let, me, let me think about it. Uh, I'll give you a ring in tomorrow. So I discussed it with, with Faye. And um, uh, I, he said, yeah, no, no, that's not a problem. And so I rang him back and said, yeah, no, I can't go. So what's the, are, are we paid or anything? He says, no, but we get an airfare. Uh, oh, and, 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 and it was $1,000 per driver. That's, but I was only dealing through, through Gricey. I had no reason to, to doubt that that was the case. And I didn't worry anyway because we were fed and housed and all that sort of stuff. And so he said, oh, okay, well, you and I'll do it. I said, yeah, no problem. And the cars, they were introducing 
the Chrysler Dodge Shadow, which is a little front-wheel drive car like a like a like a Sigma or a Mazda, Magna or something like that, front-wheel drive. But it was on a, like a miniature NASCAR chassis with a complete plastic body, a similar shape to the road car. So you just took it, took a whole lot of Zeus, Zeus fasteners and lifted the whole body off it, and it, and it, and it was a rear-wheel drive, a race car, <clears throat> and it had a 2.2-litre um, turbo, I don't know what sort of engine, but a turbo engine. And um, so when we arrived there, um, our cars were still being built, as some of the others were, and one of the guys had done some practice and had blown the motor up, as in just blew all the oil seals out of it, just dumped all the soil on the road, detonated the whole deal. So when the first practice came, uh, our car finally were finished. By this time, there was only half the cars left. They'd all blown up for the same reason. What they'd done is they just got the standard engine, put a chip in it that raised the boost, and away and, we went. And everyone was just blasting motors. And, <laughs> and they had to, they had to uh, um, urgently ship motors from America to Mexico, and, and, a, and a plane obviously brought them down, but there was 20 of them, 20 engines, and they, they gave everyone a new engine, which we put in. Then they had a bag, a bag full of chips. And we're talking computers. electronic computer chips. Not computer chips, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah chips. And um, they, <laughs> they had an old sack, right? And they put all the, the chips in, in the sack. And you shook the sack. It was a lucky sack, dip for sack, chips. And then you put them in and grabbed your chip and plugged it into your car and away you went. <laughs> oh, God, it was funny. And um, um, Gricey, <clears throat> apart from the – we went to see the the pyramids in Mexico and we went to everything and, and Gricey was we – were all, we were all dead afraid we were going to get get the runs, you know, going to get mm. dysentery. So you weren't, you weren't supposed to drink the water. You weren't allowed to do that, da, 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 da. And I was, you know, unbelievably cautious and, and – and, Hardly ate anything and ate, ate cooked food. But Gricey was into it. And um, he said, I'm not drinking any bloody water, no way, but shush, I'm going to get some of that salad and stuff, you know. So he didn't realise that all the lettuce is never washed with the oh. water. So he, so he had the he had the shits. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a terrific trip, but, you know, it was unbelievable. And when we got on the bus to, to, to go in Mexico City, a bus picked us all up because drivers are coming from everywhere. And there was a lady standing at the front of the bus telling us what to do if we were driving around Mexico. And one of the things I always remember, she said uh, to us, uh, one thing you must realise, if you see a green light for the traffic light, don't, don't think that everything's okay. Slow down and look both ways because sometimes green isn't green. <laughs> Meaning that you don't go through a green light without looking, otherwise someone might too bad. Yeah. But it was, good, it was terrific fun. But um, I remember in, in practice, we, uh, we, we, we practiced because our, our engines foil, uh, detonated and everything and there was oil and shit everywhere. Um, they had to clean everything up and put it together. And I, and I did half a lap in qualifying and the intercooler pipe blew off because it was all oily and greasy and it popped off. So I came back to the pits, came back to the pits and Grice was already there. Same problem. And uh, anyway, we fixed them. We qualified about 20th on the grid. No, no, we went last. We were the second to last row. And Grice, you'd been out on the track. Are we talking too much or what? No, no, sure. no. This is okay. a good. This is a story okay. not many people will have heard before. <clears throat> no, exactly. Yeah. And, um, and so you're in separate cars here. This is not cars. a drive together. No, deal. no, no, yeah. no. Separate cars. And for, 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 for no, no reason, I was one car in front of Grice. So Grice was behind me uh, on the on the grid because we got a time, but it was a ratchet time. So 
he said to me uh, before the race, he said, <clears throat> he says, you're in front of me, he said, we're coming nowhere in this event. He says, I'm at the first corner, because a big, long, straight Pedro Rodriguez circuit, the old style, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Go massive, long, straight, wide as buggery. And then you turn a right, then go into a left, right through a chicane type of thing. And Grosje said, he said, I don't want to get you involved, but he said, I am going down the inside of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said, hey, there's this, this, this 15 cars in front of us. How are you going to get past them? He said, I'm, he said, I'm going down the inside, whether they're there or not, but I am passing some cars. And so at the start of the race, we started off, and away we went, and I, I just moved over because I knew Gricey was going to come through the hell of a bust. And he came through and took out three cars, <laughs> bounced across the road, and, I, <laughs> and, um, and the race continued on. But I had to come to the pits again. Because the pipe came off, and finally they put it on secure as the leaders came round the track, and I actually joined behind the leaders. So I was probably in fourth or fifth place, but a lap behind, mm-hmm. and managed to sort of keep up with the leaders type of thing. But I was, but it was a great, great event. And the, the other, the other funny thing I'll just say that when we got in LA to get a get a, a, a plane to Mexico. Mexico City, we were sitting in the, in the thing, and it was you know, not, not a bad, old, bad plane, you know, but anyway, okay, and we're, so we, 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 are, we are leaving now type of thing, and they, you can hear them winding the motors up. It was a jet, you know, jet proper plane. And all of a sudden, there was a little bit of misfire from the engine, and the whole bloody cabin filled with smoke. Uh-oh. Here you are, you know, flying a Mexican Airlines to, to Mexico, and there's planes that you're going on, all full of smoke, and the engine's popping and bugging. Anyway. They just said the plane had been standing too long because it hadn't had any work and it was just getting free of um, its, uh, its inner problems. But anyway, it took off and it flew us there and we got there, so it was no problem. But that, that's a long winded story. It's about, a good story, uh, though. Yeah. The, the World Cup of Motorsport <laughs> yeah. that probably people never knew about or, yeah, or didn't two really. Czechoslovakia, there was a couple of Formula One drivers in it, hmm? uh, young guys. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good. It was really good. <laughs> Something different. Something different. Jeff actually had a second part of the question. What was it like to drive the XJR15 Jags? There was a, a challenge, a one-make challenge for those cars, and I think about 91 where you went and, and raced those. You raced at Monaco. I raced at Monaco, you? yeah, on the Grand Prix that? day. Um, that was fantastic. But the deal was um, that when Percy rang me, because Wynn was in charge of HRT at the time, and he said, uh, Tom Walkinshaw was putting together a, a, a deal where there's going to be 16 cars. It was 20, 20 cars made, but... He's going to run 16 cars, these Jaguars, as a tribute to Jaguars' competition at Le Mans. And um, he said he's going to have drivers from different countries come and drive. And But every car that goes in the race, that's 16 cars, had to be sold before the race. But they're only ever making 20. That was all, ever. And they were a nice, little, nice car, but the, you, know, you had to love Jaguars and... They're noisy as buggery inside. So they're, they're a road car they're a ro- going to race. It's yeah, not a race but, car. But they were more of a race car yeah. on the road. Yeah. And um, he said, um, I've, I've asked him if, 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 if he'd take you to represent Australia because David Brabham's going to go and David, he's going to, you, you two would be Australia. I said, yeah, yeah we're about, we're, what's whereabouts? He said, well, he said it's um, four race, and I'm pretty sure it was Monaco, Spa, Silverstone, Browns Hatch. Goat tracks. Absolute like goat tracks. Yep, Who would want like to go to any of those? Oh, exactly. Especially Monaco. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, 
I said, yes, it'd be, it'd be great, you know, but I could only do two meetings. I could do the first two, the other ones um, coincided with other things I was doing. And um, Wynne said, well I, well, I could probably fill your spot just as a, as a guest in those. I said, no, no problem, no problem. So, you know, we rolled up at um, Monaco and all the cars were lined up, all the same colour, with, with, with uh, the flag of the nation on it type of thing. And it was in a down underground car park just as they come round the slope, they go round, round the waterfront and then over the chicane and up to the, what's the one there, there was a little, tight little hairpin that goes down to the main straight. Yep, yep. Straight ahead there is an underground car park and all the jags are lined up there and we, that's where we come onto the track. So the you know, we first thing we, we, we got obviously is a, is a practice, then a qualifying and uh, practice was fine, no problem. Um, qualifying, beautiful day, but the waves are breaking over onto the track before you go under the tunnel. You know, oh. you come down just to turn right and then go under the tunnel. Well, it was wet from there to the tunnel, but because it was the, there was so much water on the track, the cars were taking the water into the tunnel a little bit. So we were qualifying on slicks, but, but this one corner and a bit of a straight was wet, so you had to sort of come flat out around the, the rest of the track, down to this thing, you know, get then they had to feather the throttle, get another. But when you went into the tunnel, it was, it was a lot darker, so you couldn't really tell if there's where the water went to. <laughs> so you just had to do the best you could, you know. And uh, I qualified second, I'm pretty sure it was, uh, there for that. Dave was he, was, he was pretty close. I can't think where he was. Anyway, he. Um, uh, start of the race, race, race started, and all of a sudden, my car for some reason developed a misfire. And I, I finished, but I, I can't remember where I finished, near centre of the field or whatever. Um, but the, obviously, the other good part was that every driver that was nominated to drive the car, the owner, he sold all the cars and the collectors, the owner then had to pay for the car and the upkeep of the car. If the car was crashed, he had to pay to repair it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a yeah. different deal. Yeah, well, and I, I, we had a, um, a, a Danish Jaguar collector, I think, young, youngish guy. Um, he owned my car, Could, didn't speak English. Um, but also, every driver got £10,000 per race. Per race? Yeah, per, per meeting. Oh, event, per yeah, weekend. Per, per yep. weekend. And, uh, but you had to, your airfare had to come out of that. Mm-hmm. Accommodation, food was all paid for. Um, we went to Monaco up in the, the, the hills overlooking the water. Beautiful place. A chef would come there every morning and go after dinner. Even if you weren't there for dinner, the chef was there. If you wanted to, you could have it. Good deal. And um, yeah, so uh, getting back to the race, the, yeah, the, 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 the car was great in, in practice and qualifying, but of course it misfired, misfired, carried on. And um, and uh, that that was it. And then we went to so I went to Spa. The, the car from the word the, from the word go was the same misfire during the whole meeting. You needed to swap some stickers and get someone yeah, else's. Exactly, exactly. I should have. But uh, the other guys were you know try hanging on <laughs> hanging on to their cars because <laughs> there's something wrong with mine. But anyway, when when Wynn took over, he had the same problem until the last meeting. They tore took the whole wiring loom out of the car and put a new, new wiring loom in it. Fixed it. That'd be right. <laughs> After you left it, <laughs> but it was great. It was it was a it was an experience. Pretty yeah, cool yeah. that you would have never guessed as a yeah. young kid punting around in carts in New Zealand that you would end right. up 
firing around the streets of Monaco in a jack. No, exactly. That's that's pretty yeah. cool. That's pretty cool. Um, Lachlan Craven's got a question here, and I don't know if this is a leading question or not, <laughs> or one you can answer, but do your best. What was the best time you ran on your street bike at Calder riding under a pseudonym? Did you ever go out there and run under a different name? Yeah, no, I, I, I did. No, no, I, I'm almost sure I didn't have a, didn't run a pseudonym. We just told who, who you were. The best time that I did was a uh, 10.98 or something. Uh, so I, are we talking, when you call it, we're talking drag race? Drag race. Yeah. Straight drag race. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me and my friends who were into bikes used to go out there each Friday, not every Friday night, but the certain Friday nights, they had street drags. So you just roll up there, they'd, they'd look at your bike, you know, or car, and go out and, yeah, and, and have a run. And then us guys just run against each other and tink around. Is this like, what, 80s, 90s? This is uh, 80s. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you did have to have a pseudonym... What do you reckon you'd go with? Tom Smith or something, yeah. I suppose. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm certain, I didn't ever see it, I'm certain. I think it was just because you just, you rolled up and ended. Mm. They hardly knew who you were. Yeah. Uh, Alan Marks has got one here from uh, the NASCAR era. Uh, what are you, what memories have you got of taking on the, the NASCAR boys when you went to Japan? There was a like a demo race at Suzuka that you, you raced in the same field. Dale Earnhardt yeah, was in exactly. the race. Yeah, Dale Earnhardt, Rusty Wallace, um, Jeff Bodine. Michael Waltrip, I think, was in there too. Yes, Michael Waltrip. Yep, yep, yep. No, it was, it was terrific. It was it was a, an invitation that Honda, who owned Suzuka, I don't still do or whatever, mm. they owned Suzuka and they wanted to get one of the NASCAR races into the country. And then it wasn't a, an oval, but it was the... Um, the the old the the old it's a start line. It did a loop. It did with the main straight coming down into a into a, a, a quite a large half circle corner, up through some wigglies by the pits, and then back down again. And it sort of linked up where the last chicane yes, is for the Grand exactly, Prix. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And um, so they chose cars from the, from the Winston Cup that had won races and wanted to go to Japan. I think there was twenty cars. Now. Dick Midgley, who owned the NASCARs that I used to drive at Calder, um, we won the championship in 96, I think it was. Mm. And I think it was 96 that we went to... Uh, not, yeah, 97, but remember, it would okay. have been a 96-97 yeah, yeah, summer yeah, exactly. season. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so Dick asked the... Because he, he competed also, he ran a team of NASCARs and stuff in America in the lower grades, but now and again he'd go to the, the top class... And he asked the officials um, if he could come over because he'd, he'd t- um, owned a team in Australia that had won the championship, and but an international flavour. And uh, they said yes. So he said, well, we're going to go to Japan. You want to come? I said, yeah, okay. So they um, they shipped the cars because he had a car in um, cars in America. So they shipped all the cars from America in containers and... Um, all the containers arrived at Suzuka and the drivers and the teams arrived and you couldn't open your container until 12 o'clock on the Friday. So everyone was there, all the containers were all there and at 12 o'clock they said, okay, pick up your keys and you can start work. So pick up your keys, got your car, one guy's container had fallen over Oh no! and the car was all hanging in the container all beaten about. 
Um, so they unloaded the car and the, and the spares, got to their garage and started working on the car to send me make sure everything was okay for the for the race and, and, and practice, sorry, which was the next day. And um, this was all went all went fine. And uh, in um, and on Saturday morning, woke up, went to the track, started raining, rained. But this was the first race ever that NASCAR had allowed the cars and owners to use wet weather tyres. Mm. And um, Mark Martin had done the testing on the Goodyear rain tyre that would fit the wheels and would take the weight of the cars and everything. And uh, so no one had driven on the wets except Mark Martin. And um, in practice, we all, we all buzz around, buzz around, and the, um, the windscreens kept fogging up because they had no side windows and steel exhaust bolted to the floor, hot as buggery inside the car, steam, windows all fogged up, you could not see where you're going. And the rain was bad enough. No one had wipers because yeah. they don't run the they rain. They don't run the rain. You know? And um, so all of a sudden, everyone's in the pits, bloody got rags, they got everything. And so I said to, uh, to, to Dick Midge, the owner of the team, I said, listen, you know, we, we, we're going to put, put wipers on it. He says, well, everyone's down the road now trying to get from wrecking yards, trying to get wiper motors to put so that we can actually have the wipers going. But qualifying wasn't going to wait. You know, it was going to happen whether you had wiper motor in or not. So I said, um, get a um, get me a bit of bit of tube or a, or a broom handle, and we we stuck a, um, a like a T on it so that you know it was a like like a windscreen cleaner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we didn't have windscreen cleaner. We just, so we made one up and we wrapped a chamois, zippy tied a chamois to the. To the end of it. To the end of it. Yeah. And so I've got in a place in the car, I've got to stick it beside my, my seat. And so you, you laze around the, 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 the first corner and a little straight before the S's. So you get the thing and give it a couple of wipes, put it back down again, around the S's. By the time you got to the come back on the main straight, you couldn't see again hardly. So you zip it when you got in the top gear down the straight, you know, and, and uh, clean it off. And we obviously did a bit better job than, than quite a few of the guys. Um, and... Um, we qualified second mm. behind Mark Martin, and uh, so that was all good because we were, no one knew us. No one even no, they weren't even the announcers weren't even saying my name properly, <laughs> Rickard or something. It was yeah. John John Rickard, I think it was. Um, and and Dick had never ever com- competed against a full class of top rate cars because he wasn't his team wasn't good enough. So anyway, here we are, second on the grid of this, leading all these guys. And we were looking around, wondering who the hell's this? Where did he come from? And uh, one of the things I'll always remember, because I was a D- Dale Earnhardt fan as a young fella, that I was walking up the pit road to go to the um, uh, the which I've got a photo of the all the teams assembled on pit road and st- sat on chairs and stood around the back. And I've got a f- and photos. So as I was walking up, Dale Earnhardt was walking towards me. As as we went up, we had to go through the same little gate. He looked at me, bit of a rear eye smile. Hi. <laughs> and that's all. <laughs> <laughs> but if he said that, then yeah, a little exactly. bit of an acknowledgement of you, you're yeah. going all right. So anyway, <clears throat> just quickly, the um, the race race day dawned, dry as a bone, beautiful, absolute sun shining, everything, no problem. So um, race starts, no problem. We're we, we get uh, we're running in second place at the time, and we drop back to third. But the first time down the straight, the main straight, we'd never driven in the dry up until. This thing, the motor was revving to nine thousand three hundred revs, Oof. and I 
Jesus. I rang look, to up the radio and said, this, this motor's 9,300 RPM down the straight. Do you want me to come in? Because it's going to blow itself to pieces, I would have thought. And hang on, hang on, Dick says in his Canadian accent. I'll talk to my man. And he's got his man as the engine builder. So I hear him in the background. And I heard in the background the guy say, keep going. And so Dick come back and says, no, no, keep going. That's okay. That's fine. So every freaking thing, it was 105 laps. I think it was 120 laps. <laughs> 9,300 revs down the straight. Screaming his head screaming. off. Screaming. Oh, God, it was good. <laughs> that's cool. But anyway, that's, uh, that's how the uh, how that's going. I think we got, where we come? Sixth. 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 Sixth overall, yeah, which was, which was, which was great for us. Because every time the yellow flag came out or, or the, the, the whatever it is, we would be in the top, we're in the top four or five the whole race type of thing. As soon as the, the, the yellow flag had come out, all the cars would pit. And so we, we'd pit. But our pit crew was the cousin of the guy next door. And, they and weren't yeah. a Winston Cup no, no. team, were so they? So we'd, yeah. we'd come in in fourth place and go out in 20th place. Have to do it again. <laughs> so we'd come through the field again and the same thing happened all the time. It was bloody good. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, race. Yeah, yeah, race. So that's uh, it. Yeah, that's how the, the NASCAR series went over there. <laughs> Ken Wright's got one, um, and it's NASCAR related too. Was there ever any temptation or uh, opportunity to go and have a, a crack at a road race in America or a one-off or something like that? Yeah, no, the, uh, Dick Midgley wanted me to come over and, and do uh, a road race, and also I had a couple of guys, American guys, I didn't ask who they were, but they, they came up to me at Suzuka and said, um, listen, have you thought of maybe coming and driving some of our cars on the, on the road courses? Because they could... They used to be able to substitute a driver mm. and still not lose any points or something or the, yeah whatever. Uh, and I said, well, no, I, I really can't. But I, but yeah, I mean, I could have got to drive if I said easy. No, I could have got to drive easy, but it may not have been with a t- top team. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, no, we thought of it, and Dick wanted me to, but it was just the old story. Too much driving over here, and got uh, enough going yeah, on. Got a family, got a mortgage, yeah. got to keep yep. the wheels rolling. Um, Keith Dixon asks one. This will be the last question, and then there's a little section to finish off with. He says, "Now there might be something going on here that I don't know about, but you might not know about this either." <laughs> Keith asks, "When's the new book coming out? Do you have a new book coming out?" No, I haven't got a new book coming out. No, no. Um, it, pr- it probably won't come out because I, I'm, you know. I suppose I can't be bothered, <laughs> but I, I'm always, I always worry about books like like that the, the come out. I, I love to read guys' books and 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 delve into their you know, their inner thoughts and stuff. But I always worry that I'll I'll, leave, I'll forget I'll forget too much. You know, when I don't, I don't mean you know in ten years, but you leave something out. And someone will say, "Oh shit, don't you remember? Don't you remember when we did that?" And I'll say, "Yeah, I do." But you've forgotten about Too it. Too late the for the book, book, you know. <laughs> but at the end of the day, Jim, it would be your book, so bugger what anybody else is thinking. It's yeah, the Jim no, book. I'm, I'm not thinking of a book, to be honest. Okay. All right. Sorry to uh, disappoint you, Keith, <laughs> with the answer to that question. We will uh, take it up with Jim another day and twist his arm, see if we can convince him. Um, the other thing that we do to finish off with on the, our little podcast here is, and you've done plenty of these over the years, but a different way, a top ten shootout. I'm going to name ten things. You give me the first thing that comes into your head. One word answers if you can. We'll let you have a little sentence or a couple of words if you need a bit more to explain it. I'm not You're looking at, at me like this I'm, is going to hurt. Not, I'm not good at this. Oh, no, 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 no. It'll be all right. It's a lot of things we've talked about. If you can sum them up in one word or a couple of words, see how you go. Um, Nissan GTR, what's the word that comes to mind? Fantastic. Yeah, that's a fair point. So you, he's good at this. You, <laughs> no. you, you were worried about nothing. Uh, Alan Grice. Nice guy. Really? 
Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm Took never... you to Mexico on a trip. Yeah, yeah no, but that's, that's why he's a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> he got me $1,000. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sid Crow Mustang. Uh, great memories. Oh, here's one. Amaru Park. One of my favourite tracks in the day. Mm. Won a lot there too. Uh, Mark Scaife. Scaife, the best of his time. Peter Brock. The best in his time. <laughs> I think I'd say that. Uh, Freddie Gibson. Uh, a great friend and a great team manager. BMW M3. Go-kart. <laughs> Very good one, though. Yeah. Uh, Frank Gardner. Gentleman. And Steve Richards. My son. Obvious but accurate. Jim Richards, a total pleasure. Thank you for having us today. I hope all of our uh, fans have enjoyed our chat. There's so many more things that we'll have to do another day, another time. Thanks for sitting down with us. No pleasure, no problem. Well, there you have it. Thanks again to Jim Richards, who welcomed us into his workshop to record this edition of the V8 Sleuth podcast presented by AC Delco. Don't forget, if you're into your Holdens, we've got a brand new book coming out that you're sure to love. It's the official photographic history of 500 championship race wins for Holden Commodore, a milestone that came up at Townsville in 2019. As it says in the title, it has a picture of all 500 of the Commodore's championship race wins, plus all the stats and the most successful drivers aboard the iconic model. It's available to pre-order now. Jump on the V8 Sleuth website and click on Store or head to AuthenticCollectibles.com.au and you'll also find it there. If you're loving the V8 Sleuth podcast, thanks for listening. I'm really loving the feedback that we're getting. Make sure you leave a review to help spread the word and keep an eye on our website and our social media accounts to stay up to date too. But until then, we're out of time. We'll catch you next time on the V8 Sleuth podcast. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number 2, and oil and find out.